0: Go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 10. I should have put on some more comfortable shoes because, man, I feel like running right now. It, isn't it cool when that, that flame in your heart, that flame of God's love and God's grace and God's mercy gets fanned a little bit? Isn't that isn't that awesome, right? I, I think the church ought to be the one setting the world on fire, amen? We, we ought to be the ones on fire setting the world on fire with God's love, God's grace, and God's mercy. It's so awesome to see what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will still do uh, through our student ministry. I know that they uh, spent some time serving this week. And I'm going to tell you, when when you take self out of the equation, when you stop looking at self and wanting to be served, and you start looking at others and wanting to serve, God will do something, amen? And, and God will use you to inspire to influence and to impact others. And that's what I'm hoping happens with our student ministry. I hope they set us on fire, adults. I hope they do. I hope they keep fanning that flame inside of us so that we can be as fired up as they are about what God is doing in us and through us. I love the passage of Scripture we're on today because I have a feeling that the passage of Scripture that we're looking at today and what God says and does in Acts chapter 11, I have a feeling all of us have somehow, some kind of way been touched, been impacted by this. We've either participated in or been affected by criticism. Listen to me again. We've either participated in or we've been affected by criticism. In Acts chapter 10, God gave us some incredible truths through his interactions with a man named Cornelius who was a Roman, uh, who was a Gentile, and his interactions with Peter, one of his apostles. And the important truths that God shows us and teaches us in, in Acts chapter 10 really has a part to play in Acts chapter 11. See, what God shows us, what God teaches us in Acts chapter 10 is that he shows no favoritism. God shows no favoritism. His salvation is both for the Jew and the Gentile. His salvation is for anyone and everyone who receives him. Listen, God will receive everyone who fears him. God will receive everyone who believes in Jesus Christ as Lord, who receives Jesus Christ. God says, I'll receive you. And it don't matter what nation you're from, it don't matter the color of your skin, it don't matter how much sin you've been buried underneath, God can and God will save you when you fear Him and you receive His Savior, Jesus Christ, as your personal Savior. That's what God will do. And I believe that's what God shows us in Acts chapter 10. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 10, God speaks to Cornelius first. He he stirs Cornelius' heart first, the Roman, the Gentile in Caesarea, not Jerusalem. But as he is speaking to Cornelius, guess what he does? He speaks to Peter. And what does he tell Peter? He says, Peter, there's somebody fixing to come see you, and you're going to go with them, and you're going to go with them to Caesarea. You're going to go with them to see this man, Cornelius. You're going to go to the land of the Gentiles matter of fact, he showed him a vision, and what he did was he showed Peter a vision about food. He said, get up and kill these animals you see, and you remember what Peter said? Peter said, never, (laughs) I don't eat unclean animals, and God said, don't call anything unclean that I've called clean, and here's the thing, it wasn't about food, it wasn't about food, it was about salvation, it was about salvation, not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles, And thankfully, Peter obeyed the Lord and he went. Matter of fact, I believe God was working in Peter. I believe God was spiritually stirring and growing Peter. As a matter of fact, the reason I can say that, the reason I know that is because of Peter's very own words. In Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35, this is what Peter says. He says, I now realize... In other words, my eyes are open, my ears are open, but more than anything, my heart is open. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears Him and does what is right. And so even though Peter was walking with the Lord, even though Peter was saved by God through Jesus Christ for a long time, right, Even though Peter experienced God's grace for a long time, Peter had placed emphasis on the law. That's what he did. He placed emphasis on the law rather than grace. And for a while there, Peter placed emphasis on preaching the gospel to the Jews rather than the Gentiles. Two words, but God, amen? But God. God can step in and do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, with whomever he wants. We call that God's sovereignty. And so Peter now goes, and as a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 10, I believe Peter changes. Not, not from a salvation standpoint. He was already saved. I believe Peter was growing in his salvation. I believe Peter was growing in his faith. I believe Peter experiences spiritual growth. And here's what I want to ask you today. Here's what I want to ask you today. Are you experiencing spiritual growth? Are you experiencing spiritual growth? I, you, may not, you may say, well, Brother Jeff, I don't really know how to answer that. That's okay. I'm going to show you how to answer that. Because we're going to see how Peter answers that question, right? In this passage of Scripture today, Dr. Charles Stanley once said this. I love this. Dr. Charles Stanley once said, spiritual growth requires that we have a teachable spirit. Did you hear that? Spiritual growth requires that we have a teachable spirit. So let me ask you another question, right? I asked you, Are you experiencing spiritual growth? Maybe the question I should have started with was this one Do you have a teachable spirit? Are you teachable? I remember when I was coaching, I had kids that had all kinds of talent, but didn't have ears on their head. They didn't want to listen to a thing I had to say to them. They thought their talent alone could get them whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted, however they wanted. And guess what? They weren't coach, I was. And so I put their tail on the bench. And then they started growing some ears because they realized, if you're going to get out on that floor, it's because I put you on that floor. Teachable spirit, coachable, right? Are you teachable? Are you coachable? Because if you want to experience spiritual growth, that's where it starts. And I believe Peter experiences spiritual growth because he was teachable. See, one way we can can identify spiritual growth in our lives is how we respond. How we respond to anything and everything in our lives. We We can know if we are experiencing spiritual growth. We can know if we have a teachable spirit, a coachable spirit, by how we respond to anything and everything that happens to us in our world, especially criticism. Now, remember, Peter just preached the gospel to the Gentiles, right? And what Peter saw was the Holy Spirit of God fall, baptize those Gentiles. Can you imagine the high he is on? Like, God, I see it now. I realize now what you've done for me, a Jew in Jerusalem, you're doing it now here in Caesarea. You're doing it to to the Gentiles. Can you imagine the spiritual high he is on? And he even stays there for a few days. They say, hey, Peter, can you stay? Can you keep preaching? And he does. And we don't don't see in Scripture the results, but I'm going to tell you something. I believe God kept on saving and God kept on doing incredible things or else Peter probably wouldn't have stayed. And so Peter stayed, but now Peter's headed back. And what we find out is that there's some others that headed back before him. And they told the church in Jerusalem what was going on. Watch this. Acts chapter 11 Verses 1 through 3. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So before Peter gets back, they've already heard the news. Right? That's kind of like it is here, isn't it? It's called a little gossip. Right? Hey, did you hear? about? Hey, did you know? Hey, let me tell you we got to be the first ones to know and the first ones to tell a lot of times, don't we? It's like we feel better about ourselves if we're the first ones to know or the first ones to tell. Well, that's what's happening here. The apostles and believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, he's coming back. Look at this. The circumcised believers, what's that word? Criticized him. They didn't say, man, what in the world is God doing? Man, how awesome is that, that God's saving people? No. It says, the circumcised believers. Don't miss that, right? Don't don't miss the two words in front of criticized. It says, the circumcised believers. In other words, ones who had been saved by God's grace. The first thing that comes out of their mouth is criticism. Wow. Wow. The circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. So forget the gospel. Forget the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Forget the the revival that took place not one day, but multiple days. The circumcised believers criticized Peter. That was their response to the goodness of God. To the grace of God, to the mercy of God shown, to lost souls being saved, the circumcised believers criticized Peter. One of the definitions of the word criticize in Merriam-Webster, and I know you probably get tired of me explaining words to you, but you know what? I did that for like 15 years in a classroom. And so I love digging into words and making sure that people understand what words mean. So Merriam-Webster says that criticize, right? A definition of the word criticize is to find fault and to point that fault out. To find fault and to point that fault out. Now, criticism is not always bad. I'm not up here to say never criticize. You should not be critical. That's not what I'm saying. And I don't believe that's what God's Word says. Okay? Sometimes criticism can be good. Sometimes criticism can come from a heart of love and a heart of understanding, and a heart of truth, right? It it can be good. It can lead to positive change. But it's got to be given from a spirit of love and godly direction. It's not to be given so that you can win a fight, or win a debate, or prove that you're right and someone else is wrong. That's a whole different kind of criticism. Sometimes, Wisdom comes through criticism. You go, Brother Jeff, where, where do you see that? Well, I see that in Proverbs chapter 15. In Proverbs 15, the Bible says this in verse 22. Plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Dr. David Jeremiah says this in his commentary, Seeking wisdom from godly, mature believers allows us to increase our understanding of God and His ways, and sometimes it comes through criticism. But in this passage, we don't really see favorable criticism, do we? At least not on the surface. At least not on the surface do we see favorable criticism. We don't really see grace being magnified here, do we? As a matter of fact, it's the opposite of grace. The circumcised believers were more focused on their law than they were God's grace. Do you see that? They were more focused on their law. Notice I didn't say God's law. I said their law. They were focused on their law rather than God's grace. What was their law? Don't eat meals with Gentiles. That was their law. That law was done and gone in the Old Testament when Jesus Christ came, right, And when God said, don't call anything unclean that I call clean, and Jesus magnified that, hey, guess what? You you need to stop holding on to that law. Because it's gone. It's done. They didn't even ask a question. Did you notice that? They didn't ask Peter any questions. All they did was make a statement, and it was about law. They didn't say a word about the gospel. They didn't say a word about the baptism of the Spirit. They didn't say a word about the water baptism. Rather, what they brought up was a tradition of the Jews. Right? A tradition of the Jews. This is the way we've always done it, so this is the way we're going to do it. Anybody ever said that before? Anybody ever heard that before? No amens? You're lying. You're lying in church. Because we have heard that before. We've said that before. Tradition can get you in trouble when it takes your eyes off of God and what He wants to do and what He is doing. If it's more important for you to do it the way you want to do it because that's the way it's always been done, rather than listening to God and doing it the way he says to do it right here, right now, that's bad. That's trouble. I love what Pastor Kenneth Gangle says in his commentary. Pastor Kenneth Gangle talking about this passage, talking about the way these believers spoke to Peter. Listen to what he says. This was a group dedicated to protecting to protecting their Jewish perspective on Christianity. This circumcision group was so known because they expected any Gentile coming to Christ would have to go through their corridor of Judaism first, including circumcision, to really be saved. In other words, you know, God don't really tell you how to be saved. We tell you how to be saved. That's what they were doing. Oh, God saves, but we got to tell you how to do it. you got to do it our way or you can't be saved. I wish I could tell you that this would be the last time that we hear from this group of criticizers, but we're going to see it again in just a couple more chapters, right? We're going to see it again. So how does Peter correctly respond to the criticism? And not just that, listen, we're digging into the Scripture, and I want us to see see Peter because I see see a good example. But you need to ask yourself that question too. How does Jeff respond to the criticism today in Start, Louisiana, at Start Baptist Church? How do you respond, right, to the criticism you faced? And the word that I want to insert there is how do you correctly respond? Because there is a right way. There is a right way to respond to any and all criticism that we face. Whether it's favorable criticism or unfavorable criticism. Guess what? You can respond the same way. You can. So how does Peter correctly respond to this criticism? You ate with uncircumcised people. Gentiles. Not a question. It, it, It was a A finger in the face So watch what happens Beginning in verse 4 Starting from the beginning Peter told them the whole story I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheep being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it, and I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. And here, here it is. Look at verse 8. He's saying, I know where you come from. Because I tried that response. Look at verse 8. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Lord. In other words, no. (laughs) No. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And then it was pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me, do you see that? That's important. Because who is Peter submitting to, himself or God? He's submitting to God. He said, the Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers, in other words, I got six witnesses. Six witnesses. These six brothers also went with me. And we entered the man's house. Yes, I did go into a house with uncircumcised Gentiles. He's not denying it. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message. You see that? That's the gospel message. He will bring you a message through which you and your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord said. What is Peter doing now? Peter's like, I ain't trying to tell you what I want you to think. I'm going to tell you what I remembered. I remembered what the Lord said. Now Peter's, he's not trying to convince them with his words. He's saying, listen to what the Lord said because I remembered what the Lord said. Then I remembered what the Lord said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And here it is, verse 17. He doesn't respond with a finger in the face or a statement. He responds with a question. So if God gave them the same gift He gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? And look at the result. Listen to me. Look at the result of correctly responding to criticism. It's in verse 18. When they heard this, they had no further objection. And what did they do? They praised God, saying, so then, even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. And so for a few moments, right, for a few moments they got their eyes on God and they're being stirred by the Spirit and they're in agreement. Now I'm gonna be, I want to be careful here because in a couple of chapters you're going to say, hey, Brother Jeff, what happened to Acts chapter 11, verse 18? Because them fools is acting like that all over again. Well, before you pick out a stone out of your pocket and throw it at them, look in the mirror. Because don't we do the same thing? We do the same thing. We get distracted. And I ain't talking about get distracted by something out there. I'm talking about we distract ourselves. We get that Burger King mentality all rolling again. My way. Right away. So how does Peter, right? How does Peter correctly respond to the criticism? Here it is. Peter responds spiritually rather than carnally. That's it. That's it. I ain't got no magic wand. Any cool words that you can go ooh and ah to. It's simply this. Peter responds spiritually rather than carnally. That's how he responded to the criticism he faced. In that moment, what Peter did was he backed himself up and he let Jesus step up. Jeremy? you hear me? He backed himself up and he let Jesus step up. See, the old Peter... The carnal Peter, you know how he you know how he would have responded? He'd have cut somebody's ear off. Don't you think? The carnal Peter would have took out that sword and said, How dare you? And he'd have sliced your ear right off. You know how I can say that? Because he did it. He did it in the presence of Jesus. And what did Jesus say? Hey Peter, we don't fight like that. We we don't do physical, carnal. We we're spiritual. The old Peter, right, the carnal Peter, might have responded angrily by arguing. And didn't he just do that in chapter 10? Didn't he just do that in chapter 10? When the, when the vision first came to him and said, get up, kill and eat, what did Peter do? What's the first way? How did he respond initially? Carnally. He said, no way. <laughs> no way. I, no way. I have never had anything pure, impure in my mouth. He responded carnally just right there. It just goes to show you how easy it is to get caught up in ourselves, right? Now, what did the Lord do? The Lord didn't give up, did he? Because he told Peter a second time, and he told Peter a third time. And I'm going to tell you, that's pretty good, because God has to tell me four times and five times and six times sometimes. So I'm not mad at Peter. I'm not going to throw a stone at Peter either for saying, why did it take so long? Because it takes me longer than Peter a lot. But what we see in this passage is that Peter has grown spiritually Peter has been filled spiritually I'm going to tell you, his response is the fruit of the Spirit you might say, well brother Jeff what does that mean? What does that mean to respond spiritually rather than carnally? Well I believe it means that Peter looked beyond himself and he, be- he looked beyond the circumstances, he even looked beyond these circumcised believers and he looked into the eternal Right? He didn't have on present day lenses. He had on eternal lenses. He was eternally focused, not present day focused. To respond spiritually is this number one, Peter listens with the goal of understanding. He listened with the goal of understanding. Peter heard what they were saying. And he he understood where they were coming from because he too had been there, right? He, he heard them not with a head that wanted to win a debate, but instead he heard them with a heart that wanted to share God's Word. Listen to me again. When he got criticized, whether favorable or unfavorable, he didn't respond with his head that wanted to win a debate and say, I'm right and you're wrong. He responded with a heart that was full of the Spirit and wanted God's Word to be proclaimed. That's how he responded. That's that's what it means to respond spiritually. He wanted to share the truth of God, even with other believers. Uh, Another pastor that I I read and I listen to a lot, his name is John Acuff. And Pastor John Acuff, this is powerful. Listen to what he says. He says, criticism that costs nothing is worth nothing. We need to hear that. Criticism that costs nothing is worth nothing. You know what he says? He says so many times we'll post something or we'll say something, and somebody that don't even really know us or don't even really care about us, they'll be critical, right? They'll say something critical, and we'll latch onto it, and we'll fight it, and, and, and it'll, we'll let it tear us up inside when it had no motivation of love, no motivation of godliness, it took them 20 seconds to post it or say it. You know what Pastor John Acuff says? He says, you ought to give it 20 seconds of your time and then flush it. Criticism that costs nothing is worth nothing. It costs them nothing to say it and it should cost you nothing to hear it. He goes on and he says this, but when someone we know is critical With a concern or wanting understanding, we should embrace it and we should use it to grow and to share. That's pretty powerful. So what does Paul do? I mean, Peter, what does Peter do? I'll tell you what he does. He responds spiritually rather than carnally. He listens to what they are saying and he listens with understanding. In other words, I hear what you're saying. And you know what? I'm guilty. I've been there. So let me tell you a story. And Isn't that what he does? He just tells them the story. He tells them the story of God, not of Peter. He tells them the story of God. He doesn't tell them what Peter did. He tells them what God did. See, Peter shares the truth, and he does it with humility. Isn't that crazy? Think about all the times we've seen Peter, the bold one. Right? The one that pulls out the sword. The one that says, me first. The one that says, hey guys, I'm the leader. Right? We don't see that Peter here, do we? No, we see one totally different. You want me to tell you why? Because Peter's been changed from the inside out. He's been filled by the Spirit. The old Peter's dead and the new is here. He simply tells them the story of God. And he even says, hey, these six brothers were with me. Because back in that day, do you know what was important when you said something? In order for it to be portrayed as true, guess what you had to have? A witness. The Bible says two. Guess how many Peter had? Six. (laughs) These six brothers were with me. Peter was being led by the Spirit. He humbly submitted to the Spirit. And he saw God save. Gentiles and pour out his spirit on them and then he said guys all I could do was stand there and ask this question who am I to think I can stand in God's way and it's the right question who am I a Jew a disciple but who am I to stand in God's way when God wants to do something I don't want to be in his way I want to be in his will Let me say that again. When God's getting ready to do something, I don't want to be in his way. I want to be in his will, which means humble and obedient. And so Peter responds spiritually rather than carnally. He listens with understanding, and then he shares the truth of God, and he does it humbly. And what is the result? When you handle criticism correctly, what is the result? I'm going to tell you what it is because we see it right here in verse 18. God is praised. And don't you know that's what you were created for? And that's what I was created for? It was to bring God praise? Yes, we can respond to criticism in a way that gives God glory and brings Him praise. We can. Now, we can also <laughs> respond in such a way that God gets pushed aside, that God gets covered up, and all that is seen is me. Well, we can do that too. I want to go back to Dr. Charles Stanley. I shared a, a quote with you a while ago, but I'm going to put this one on the screen because this is important. Dr. Charles Stanley says, Your response to the criticism you face bears a witness for Christ to others. The way you respond to criticism will bear a witness for Christ to others. And I'm going to tell you, that witness will either, it'll either scream out loud, I am submitted and surrendered to Jesus, or he's just my tag-along buddy and he comes out when I want him to. It's going to, be, it's going to scream one way or the other. You're either going to witness for Jesus or you're going to witness against Jesus. And I'm not here to cut you down. I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm just here to tell you the truth. Because guess what Jesus said the truth will do? It'll set you free. It'll set you free to live. It'll set you free to live rightly. It'll set you free so that you can be who you were created to be, and that is a vessel of God's glory, a vessel of God's praise. A vessel of God's grace, His love, and His mercy. And I believe that is what we see here with Peter. He didn't reject the criticism. He didn't point fingers or put the blame on anyone. All he did was tell a story about what God had done and the difference that it made. You know what he was? He was a witness. And he wasn't just a witness to the Gentiles. Now guess who he was a witness to? The Jews, his own people. He was just as powerful of a witness right here at home in Jerusalem as he was there in Caesarea, the land of the Gentiles. It reminds me of another quote. A long time ago when I was in school, uh, I know Brother Jeremy and I, we we took a lot of classes together that were the same. And he'd come in and show me a book, and I'd come in and show him a book. And I remember as I was finishing up my my master's degree, I, I didn't have to read this book. It was just recommended. But the title caught my attention. The title of the book was, Pastors and Their Critics. I thought, hmm, that ought to be a good one. So I read this book, Pastors and Their Critics. It was written by two pastors, Joel Beak and Nick Thompson. And listen to what they said. I, I, I'm not going to read the whole book to you because it take too long. But I am going to share this one with you. They said in their book, and he was talking to me, a pastor, the only way to be prepared To rightly receive criticism is to cultivate an ever-deepening humility, putting to death what is earthly and carnal in us by the power of Jesus Christ's cross. We must daily die to our self-exalting flesh so that we might live for the exaltation of Jesus Christ. What an unbelievable word. What an incredible word, especially to me. Because you know what my first you know what, you know what my first warning to do is when somebody is critical of me? Punch them in the face. I, I'm just being honest with you, so be careful if you criticize me. At least in person, right? But look, look at me, it's not like my punch is going to hurt you that much. Okay? I'm just being honest with you. It, it, when somebody says why did you do that? Or I can't believe, like when somebody, when somebody does that, what's your initial reaction? Like, get out of my face. <laughs> Maybe another response is, who are you, right? Who are you to say anything to me? Right? I mean, I, I'm not even going to come up with all the lists. You write your own book. Because <laughs> mine is full and I'm starting on the second book of the 10 book series. Of all the bad ways I can respond to people who are critical. Now I want to go back. Right, if it's criticism from a stranger who does not know the details, who does not care about glorifying God, who does not care about me growing spiritually, I'm gonna I'm do I'm gonna I'm do what what the pastor friend said to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it and go. All right, bye. But if it comes from someone who is in my circle, even if it might hurt, if it comes from someone in my circle, I'm gonna listen. I'm going to listen with understanding. And listen, we may or may not agree. That's okay. But you don't have to be disagreeable, and I don't have to be disagreeable. Because see, here's the thing. If it's criticism that leads to the truth of God's Word, it's going to cost. Sometimes it hurts you to tell someone, hey, I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about the decisions you are making. I'm concerned about what... Listen, that's going to cost, right? It hurts. There's some pain in that. But don't focus on the hurt and the pain. Pain, focus on the end result. Spiritual growth, God being praised. See, see I believe when it comes to correctly responding to criticism, first and foremost, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Why? Because if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of God, then I can be a witness for Jesus Christ and glorify God instead of being a witness for Jeff and glorifying Jeff. That's how to correctly handle criticism. You know what's crazy is, and I'm not going to try to preach the rest of chapter 11 today. I'm going to do that next next Sunday. It, It comes back to the church. And it comes back to... What God is doing in the church. But it's not the church in Jerusalem. Guess where it is? It's in Antioch. Oh. <laughs> yeah, God can do whatever He wants, whenever He wants, however He wants, with whomever He wants. And He gets the praise. He gets the glory. Here's the thing. If it's always about me, if it's always about me being lifted up, if it's always about me being right, if it's always a fight, a debate, and a battle to be won, I need to check my heart. I need to check my heart. I I might need to step back before I say a word to anybody being critical and say, wait a minute, why do I feel like this? Why why do I want to talk like this? Why do I want to act like this? I'm going to tell you what it might be. It might be that you don't have Jesus Christ in you. And so you have no choice but to respond in the flesh because you haven't been spiritually baptized. That's what it could be. It it could be, right, that that you've accepted God's salvation, but you kind of went on your way and you haven't experienced spiritual growth. Right? You might possess the Spirit, but you're not engaging And exercising the spirit. Do you hear what I'm saying? So many people got their get out of hell free card. And they're like yep. I ain't going to hell. I'm good. I'm going to tell you. If you're okay with that. You ain't got to get out of hell free card. If you're okay with that. And you ain't worried about what the Bible says. And you just live in your own way. That card you got is counterfeit. (laughs) I'm just telling you. It ain't real. Because if the Spirit of God is in you, the Spirit of God is going to convict you. If the Spirit of God is in you, the Spirit of God is going to light up the way. And the Spirit of God is going to stir you to walk in the way. Now, don't get me wrong. It's still going to be a struggle, ain't it? Because I can still hear what the Spirit saying and going, yeah, but, and stepping over here. Yeah, but, and stepping over here. Yeah, but, and I got my fists clenched, right? And I'm ready to just, hmm And that's why we have to be consistently, consistently humble, consistently repentant, and consistently filled with the Spirit. God, I prayed this this morning when I got up. God, empty me of me because I got nothing good to say. God, fill me with you. Fill me with your Spirit because all you got to say is good. How... Did Peter respond to criticism? I'll tell you how. Correctly. He responded spiritually rather than carnally. Fleshly. So let me ask you again. How did you? Past. How have you responded to criticism? And from this point forward, how will you respond to criticism? Because now you know, right? Now you know. What you do with it is on you. Just like what I do with it is on me. I pray that God will set you free with the truth. The truth is Jesus. If you ain't got Jesus, you ain't got life. If you ain't got Jesus, you ain't got spirit. And the only way you can respond to anything in this world is flesh, carnal. All you have to do is say, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I'm a sinner. God, your word tells me that if I will confess my sin before you, you are faithful and just, and will forgive me of my sin and purify me from all unrighteousness. That's First John, chapter one. The Bible says, "If I call upon the name of the Lord, I will be saved." That's Romans, chapter ten. So you can, you can respond spiritually. You can put to death the flesh the carnal, and you can come to life in Jesus. It's your choice.